0: Good morning. It's not as good as you gave Nicole, but I'll take it. Um, Very excited to be back with you guys this morning. It's not just something that I'm saying. You guys have been prayed for this morning already. Um, We had the opportunity to see several of you ladies at the Mothers of Young Kids breakfast that happened this week. What an incredible turnout there was for that. Thank you to you. Uh, Older ladies that came out to serve for that, that was a blessing. Got to see some more of you in our growth group this week in our home. But it's nice to gather all together. It's nice to be together in fellowship. I hope you guys enjoyed your vacation from me. Really? I do. Um, I enjoyed Sean filling in and teaching the Word, bringing the Word, um, to allow Pastor Jim and I to be able to go to a conference together. That was nice. Uh, We're blessed to have so many good Bible teachers in this church. Those of you that are regular attenders, maybe not because of the slide, but um, know that it's our practice to teach through the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, precept upon precept, from cover to cover as the entirety of the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And when I left, we finished off in 2nd Thessalonians. So, I imagine some of you just opened your Bibles up to 1st Timothy this morning. And that's good. We'll probably be there next week. So, I encourage you guys to read chapter 1 of that in preparation for that. But for today, I really just want to talk through some things with you guys, things that have been On my heart and mind, scriptures that I've been in over the last couple weeks that have ministered to me, uh, I'd like to pray before we start, though. Father, I am so grateful, Lord, to be here. Please help those teachers, Lord. (laughs) Grateful for those teachers. What a ministry. Well, Lord, I I believe that you've called every single one of us that's in this room here today for a purpose. And I I don't speak that lightly. Lord, I I know you want to talk to us. I know you want to minister to us, Lord, and refresh and encourage us, but I think also challenge us. And we just ask that your spirit would move in this place today, that we would be receptive to that. Lord, as, as individuals, we wouldn't quench your spirit but we would hear what you'd like us to hear and receive what you want us to receive. And Lord, that we would make that a part of our walk from this day forward. These are big things, Lord, and we ask them in Jesus' name, amen. It occurred to me this morning as I was kind of going through this, again, that I'm mostly talking to Christians today. I don't know everyone in the room or everyone watching online. If you're not yet a Christian, I certainly don't want to leave you out. God doesn't want to leave you out. Um, So if that's you, what are you waiting for? I encourage you to ask God to reveal himself to you today, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, uh, accept the sacrifice, the payment that Jesus made on the cross. Ask him to accept that payment in full for your sins. And I'd encourage you to make Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord today. To those that maybe aren't sure if they're ready to do that yet, um, there's nothing to be afraid of in coming to the Lord. Perfect love casts out all fear. But make no mistake, uh, there is everything to fear. Good morning, guys. And rejecting him. And continuing to be the Lord of your own life. And I'm, I'm guessing if you're in that boat, that hasn't been working out as well as you had hoped. But to the Christian this morning, kind of going through the words, spending time in different places. I noticed this repetitive phrase that the Apostle Paul uses oftentimes in his writings. Most often in 1 Corinthians, but he also does it in Romans. He does it in... 2 Corinthians, and he's not the only author to do this. The, uh, the phrase is this, do you not know? Do you not know? Some examples of that from 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This was a letter that he wrote to this messed up church in Corinth. But it's something that applies to us. It, it applies to you if you call yourself a Christian. And I want to kind of reflect and um, see the magnitude of these words that we read over. It's, it's truth whether we feel it, whether we believe it, whether we see it in ourselves or not. It's what the Lord has inspired in the scriptures, and it's saying it about us. So again, do you not know, Christian, you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Further down, same book in the sixth chapter, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. First Corinthians 9.24 says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. There are several other examples in the scriptures and again the writers are not just Paul that uses this phrase, this, this phrase in the exact orientation of this appears in the Old and New Testament at least 26 times. And then when you look at variations of it, it's many, many more than that. Jesus actually seemed to use it with perplexity when he spoke to Christian leaders, or religious leaders, I should say, as in, you do not know or you are this, or you are that, or you claim to be this or that, yet you do not know? There seems to be an assumption in the scriptures that we know some stuff as Christians, that we've been taught some stuff, that we've read some stuff, and that we remember and retain some stuff. And I don't know so much about you, I'll speak of myself, but I can struggle with the Remember and retain part of that. And we're taught the word of God in this place. Most of us, and and I think it's really cool that we can say this, but most of us in this room participate in growth groups where we dig deeper into the word of God and, and we read it and we discuss it. And I hope that every single one in this room has a personal time with the Lord each day allowing him to speak to us through his word, the Bible. But the truth is that there's a lot of competition in this world for our hearts and our minds. There's drama and there's noise. And the Bible encourages us to aspire to live a quiet life, to live at peace with all men. But even with the best of intentions, we can get sucked into the chaos. And somehow forget that we know some stuff. We know that we are the temple of God. And that we are not alone. And that the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And we can forget that we know, as Christians, that our bodies no longer belong to us. But we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who dwells or who lives inside of us, who God gave us, and we are no longer our own. We know this. Yet far too often, the question could be asked of us do you not know? Because the evidence that we do know should be seen in every single area of our lives, in our talk in our walk, in the way that we work, in the way that we serve others, love others. The people of God should bring glory to God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God does our attitude bring glory to God? Does the focus on ourselves, our feelings, our wants or disappointments because we didn't get what we want, does that bring glory to God? Does the way that we do our job, or or the way that we do our job when our boss isn't around, does that bring glory to God? Or do we bring glory to God When we hear other people's gossiping about another Christian or another believer tearing them down? Or do we confront that? Or just let it happen? The people of God should bring glory to God in every single thing that we do. All things, all things should be done with excellence in the life of a Christian. And this this is not a pep rally this morning uh, but some of you might hear it and think yes I'm with you pastor i I, I hear it and and I want to try harder again I, I need to do that again so let's go for it pastor and and then others of you hear it and think everything well that sounds exhausting that's hard and 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 I know there's others that Sit here this morning and say, I'm so exhausted. What did he say? Where is he? And as much as I would like to be the one saying, okay, let's do this. I'm pumped. I have to admit that it is exhausting. And I'll go a step further and say that it is impossible. It's impossible to succeed just by trying harder or doing more reps at church. We can't just try harder in our flesh and expect to make progress spiritually. Paul asks this question to the Galatians in chapter 3. He says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? And if you continue reading in that chapter, I won't do it this morning, but you get a sense that Paul is again saying, do you not know, brother? Or do you not know, sister, that striving in our flesh is a defeated life? We can't do it. So you might be in a place where you're struggling or questioning even if maybe you've lost your first love. Or maybe for you, your faith is alive in your head. You believe it. You know that it's true. But it just feels lifeless in your heart. There's been a great deal of talk lately about revival. Undoubtedly, you guys have heard the reports of revival going on at Asbury University. Um, I'm sure you've also heard, as I have, the, the skeptics and the critics about what's been going on there because it just can't be real unless it started in the church of some of these loudmouth pastors. Uh, Pastor David Gudzik, I know a lot of you guys are familiar with him from his Enduring Word Bible Commentary. On his website, he recently put out a real short video about the revival and its skeptics, and I'd encourage you guys to go there, not now, after the service, or, or later today, and watch that video. I was actually able to talk to Pastor David about that last week, as he was one of the speakers at our conference, and I'll summarize it for you. Uh, he, he says it's fair and it's right to be skeptical when we hear of things going on. They do warrant, and they, they warrant investigation and validation, yet we should be equally skeptical about all the false reports and all the criticisms that come out concerning revivals and concerning major moves of God in our time. And I thought that to be wise counsel I was able to thank him for that. Oftentimes, criticism comes from fear or a lack of understanding or, or discomfort of seeing the Holy Spirit move in a way that people aren't comfortable with and other times it's jealousy other times it's attention seeking i can't really speak to the motivation of others what i can speak to is that i personally went to high school with a a woman that is currently a professor at asbury university and she's been sending out these incredible encouraging testimonies about the way that god is moving there and breaking chains of sin and bondage, setting people free, reviving their hope, their joy, and bringing new life to their souls. To me, that sounds like God. Uh, Many of you guys know Pastor Will Cass. Pastor Will was able to go and witness it for himself, and he was moved by it. Saying he witnessed confession, testimonies, the word of God being shared, prayer, Worship, praise, fellowship. And that what he witnessed was, quote, a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. I know two other pastors that went to see for themselves and their testimony was nearly identical to that. There have been, however, some uh, that have been quick to accuse and fast to discount. There have been some reports of things going on that if they were true, would be concerning. In fact, some of you guys won't be surprised by this at all, but our government actually jumped in on the fear-mongering on Thursday with the CDC issuing a report that upwards of 20,000 people that attended the Asbury revivals might have been exposed to measles. They might have, they might not have, but maybe they were exposed to measles. But the 68,000 fans that went to the Super Bowl, they're all good. There's been reports, if you followed this thing at all, of revival spreading to other campuses and reports of the Holy Spirit moving in mighty ways in different churches and fellowships across the country. Christians being renewed we can look at all that. We can observe what's going on in other places and in other people and make judgments upon it. And we might be right and we might be wrong. All that we can truly know is the state of our own hearts. Revival is just what it sounds like. It's not bringing the dead to life. Right? That can either be salvation or resurrection. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says, and you, Christians, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were once dead, but when we came to Christ, we were given life. Revival is the reviving or the bringing back of individual Christians to life or to vigor through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's like a spiritual defibrillator getting us back into the right beat, back in the right rhythm so the life-giving blood is being oxygenated once again. Revival truly is the breath of God blowing in. Leonard Ravenhill once said, in revival, God is not concerned about filling empty churches. He's concerned about filling empty hearts. This time of year, in the state that we live in, things go dormant. It's cold and it's hard, and our, our calendars tell us that it won't last forever. Right? The signs of the times tell us that there's hope and that spring is coming. The sun feels warmer. Seems to shine brighter. The buds, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the buds are starting to form on the trees. And the, the, the leaves inside are waiting to be released. The The sap in the maple trees is starting to flow. And we know in our heads that spring is coming. But the dark days can dampen our hearts. Spiritually speaking, there are times when we need that new life to come. It doesn't take a a movement. It doesn't take a trip to Kentucky to touch the hem of the garment of an experience that other people are having. It takes a renewal in our hearts. True revival always starts in the church with one believer at a time being reminded of what we already know. God has not departed from us. We may have strayed. We might have become distracted or enticed to please ourselves rather than him, to serve ourselves rather than others. But God wants to restore that life, giving fellowship that's available with him, even if we've fallen away. He wants to breathe in new life new hope, stronger faith, and he will do the work. He tells us that it's his work and not ours. We just need to repent and ask. In Joel chapter 2, we read, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and he relents from doing harm. In the book of Hosea, God says, chapter 14, verse 4, I will heal their backslidings. I don't know about you, but I've been in that place several times in my life where where I've done that and it's like, oh, I I gotta clean things up before I can go back to the Lord. And the Lord says, no, i That's my work. I will heal your backslidings. I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from him. Psalm 119, where I said we were going to be today. It's it's also, by the way, Psalm 119, it's also the verse at the top of your children's memory verses page this month. And I encourage you guys to work with them to do that. But throughout this Psalm, as you turn there, we read about the power of God's word and about our need to be revived. We, we don't know who wrote this psalm. I think if we needed to, God would have preserved that for us. But I almost think it's better that, that we don't. So that when, when we read it, it's not as if we're reading a book or a poem, but we can really personalize it and make it our prayer or our plea to God. Rather than read the whole thing, some of you are panicking as you open it up and look at all the verses. Sean set a tough standard for me. I'm gonna highlight portions of it this morning. We'll start with uh, verse 25. If you'll turn there. Psalm 119, verse 25. Look at the beginning of this. My soul clings to the dust. Isn't that descriptive? Maybe for some of you it's not, but for some, I I think that may be the words that you've been looking for, that you you haven't been able to describe what's going on. But that uh, raw transparency. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways, it says, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So I shall meditate on your wonderful works. So I shall meditate. So that that my mind will be filled with those things. So that I can chew on those thoughts. The things of your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Look down to verse 40. It says, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Isn't that needed in this world? Where we see everything that should be right goes wrong. Judgments are made without righteousness. Revive me, Lord, in your righteousness. Let your mercies, verse 41, Come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. Every other person or thing will leave us with disappointment. You, Lord, are my portion. Only you. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I will keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Verse 81 says, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, When will you comfort me? Maybe you've been there, maybe you've you've sat in a church and you've looked around and you've seen this joy or this truth or or this something that other people have. And maybe this has been maybe it hasn't been your prayer, maybe it's been your question to God. When will you comfort me? Verse eighty eight Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You established the earth and it abides. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Is, is that your testimony? Is, is that really how we feel about the word of God? My guess is probably we can't all say that. I mean, honey is pretty sweet. But your word, Lord, your word is sweeter than honey in my mouth. And, and I will tell you that there's no bigger blessing than the word of God. And if that's not the case, let this be your prayer. Lord, make it so. Make that be true. Revive me in your word is in here. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That the word of God would illuminate and direct every step of our lives. Look down to verse 106. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. Verse 149 says, Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. What a prayer, what a plea in an unjust world. Some of you have been victimized by injustice. Revive me, O Lord, according to your justice. Verse 153. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes, great, or your tender mercies, O Lord, revive me according to your judgments." Verse 157, and my hope is that I'm wetting your appetite to spend some time in the psalm on your own. But verse 157 says, "Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn. From your testimonies. I see the treacherous and I'm disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And finally, go back to verse 34 with me. Back near the beginning. And we'll close with this this final plea to the Lord. Verse 34 says, Give me understanding. That itself, I think, is just a sincere plea and prayer to the Lord. God, I don't get it. I don't get why this is happening. I don't... I don't understand why you've allowed this. Think of the pleading prayer of Jesus in the garden that the father would take that cup. And if you follow through on that story, he didn't take the cup, but he gave him the strength to drink that cup and endure it. And this prayer Please give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments. You know what, God? I have tried to do that on my own and have been unsuccessful over and over and over again. So would you please make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. It's it's what I want to do. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Our hearts are deceivers, gang. Our hearts are inclined towards all kinds of different things. And this prayer says, incline my heart towards you, Lord. Change my heart. And not to covetousness, turn my eyes, verse 37, I love this, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Notice in this final verse, this this plea for revival, that there's both life and death here. The psalmist is asking for an end, a death in a sense to the distraction of worthless things and a revived life, a, a changed and revived heart in the ways of the Lord, in the will of the Lord. True revival Is not something that can be manufactured by man or or manipulated. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, you guys may be familiar with that name. He was a a Welsh minister who preached in the Westminster Chapel in London for nearly 30 years. He, uh, He said this about revival. He says, You cannot stop a revival any more than you can start it. It is altogether in the hands of God. It is the people of God bringing glory to God. Not by works of their own, not by works of their flesh, but through a revived life in him. Dr. Jones also said, revival above everything else is a glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the restoration of him to the center of of the life of the church. I'm going to pray. Is, is Brett still in here? Ask Brett to come up and lead us in a song, in a, in a closing song together. And at the conclusion of that song, you guys can be dismissed. You can get your kids. You can do whatever it is that you need to do. But those of you that have been spoken to by the Holy Spirit during this service... Uh, Those of you that know that there has been something missing. Again, I'll tell you that God has not gone anywhere. God has not drifted away and he is longing to revive you. If you want to come forward after this song, and I want to sing this song, but after this song, if you want to come forward, there will be pastors and elders and and their wives up front uh, to pray with you. And, It's not a time to come up and visit. Really, I want to make this space available for people to do business with God. They need to do business with God. So pray with me, church, and then Brett will lead us in this. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminders of your word. And thank you for your heart and desire, Lord, to breathe fresh life into us and into your church. Lord, that you desire to revive. You desire to be in fellowship with us, untarnished, unblemished, unblocked by sin. And we're asking, Lord, that you would turn our eyes away from worthless things. Lord, that you would kill any desire in us to wander, that you would keep us uh, away from drama and distractions, and that you would breathe fresh life into everyone desiring that lord that you would breathe revival into this church body we love you lord and we pray this in jesus name amen let's sing this song as a as a prayer